Well, hello, everybody out there. If you're listening to this in the Christmas 2021 week, then you very well may be one of my wonderful new listeners who discovered this show because it hit the number three slot for featured podcasts on the Podbean streaming app. Honestly, I've only been up on this top list for like a day so far, and the turnout has been incredible. I'm getting more downloads and subscribers than ever before, and from every corner of the earth at that. And none of this would have been possible without my awesome day one fans who've been with me so long and doing such a great job. Anyway, I'll try to keep the glee to myself and just get us into this episode before anyone leaves. Have you ever wanted to work from home? How about working from a cliffside villa overlooking a tropical sea? Well, my guest today can tell you exactly how to accomplish this dream. Carrie DePhillips is co-host of the Workationing podcast, a digital nomad, and CEO of The Content Factory. She's been featured in Forbes, Adweek, Fast Company, Inc., Entrepreneur, and many other media outlets. Thrive named her a limit-breaking female founder, and she's an influencer in the digital nomad space, even being called a digital nomad role model in Glamour. And even past all that, she has worked from over a dozen different countries in just the last year, and that's considering what's been going on. So, set your watches to island time and wait for the paycheck. Let's see the world the right way. Carrie DePhillips, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's so great to have you on. Uh, why don't you give a little intro for everyone listening? Sure. My name is Carrie DePhillips. I am the CEO of The Content Factory, which is a digital marketing agency that specializes in search engine optimization, NPR. Uh, I am also the co-host of The Workationing Podcast, which follows my adventures traveling around the world while working and knocking items off of my bucket list. That's very cool. And how many of those uh, bucket list items have you checked off so far? At least 30. So I've done everything from fly a plane to cage dive with sharks in South Africa. Okay. Uh, What's been the funnest one so far? (sighs) Playing in a poker tournament in Montreal. Okay. Just like the, the sheer risk. Yeah. With it. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we stayed in uh, pretty late. We almost made it to the final round. One member of our group did make it to the final round and actually cashed out. So that was pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, that just sounds like a fun, fun trip to take, you know, kind of a, <laughs> a journey to get things done. How many more things are left on the list? You know, it, it's an ever evolving list. So I, I'd hate to put a finite number on it, but there's still quite a few things that I, I would like to do. I have two continents to hit before uh, I've made it to all seven. So I need to go to Australia, which is very difficult right now, <laughs> and uh, Antarctica. So Antarctica will be the last one. Yeah, I would imagine it's probably the least fun of the, the seven. I mean, it depends. It depends on what you're into. Uh, I hear it's really smelly down oh. there. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it's just the cruise, the cruise there, pretty cold, probably stay on the inside a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I I imagined it was very cold. I didn't know there was a smell associated with Antarctica, but that's, yeah, I think it's all the penguin poop. 
that does make sense actually yeah. you know that tracks yeah. Yeah, not a lot of trees to hide that or anything. It's just kind of frozen and staying there. Yeah. Australia, it's also going to be, you know, a little while, I think, before you get there. But yeah, you've been doing quite a bit of traveling, obviously, to hit, you know, five of seven. Have you found like a place you've enjoyed the most? I mean, I live in Amsterdam now. It looks like something out of a storybook. I I decided to make this my home base for a variety of reasons, but mostly because I I really dig the city Uh, and it's centrally located in Europe. So, you know, going to other places is pretty cheap and easy. But Puerto Rico will always hold a very special place in my heart. It's a gorgeous island. The people are incredible and uh, it's got some of the best beaches I've ever seen. Awesome. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are listening and thinking, you know, how do you get to to travel this much? You know, what kind of facilitates your ability to do this? Uh, I intentionally set up my life in a way that I would be untethered from traditional office work. So when I started my company, The Content Factory, 11 years ago, I did so from a digital first perspective. Uh, I came out of the advertising world and uh, I knew all too well the grind of having to like get ready for a job I was already ready to do. It took me like an hour to get my hair tamed and do the whole makeup routine. And then I had the pleasure of commuting a half hour downtown and paying like 300 bucks a month for parking. And I tallied it all up and I was spending over 500 hours a year just commuting and and going to the office. And in the digital marketing industry, you really don't need to be in the office. And I think the pandemic really demonstrated that as it forced people to work from home. But my team had always been working from home. And when you can work from home, you can work from anywhere. So I took advantage of that. And I started traveling around the, the US pretty early on while working. Um, And then I decided to become a full-time digital nomad in 2017, put all of my stuff into storage. And, uh, you know, I I spent a lot less money in some really cool locations. My, I had a penthouse suite in Medellin, Colombia, and it was less than half the cost of the rent that I was paying in New Hampshire. (laughs) So like it, it became affordable too. Uh, I think that a lot of people think that traveling as much as I do is like cost prohibitive, but depending on where you're currently based, uh, you can actually save a lot of money by traveling and in the process have some really cool experiences. I mean, uh, it sounds like a lot to take in, but there's definitely other than just the time, like you said, 500 hours, which you're talking, you know, 500 hours has got to be like a a good rough average for every employee. Yeah. Because I know... I drive like a half hour a day to work and then a half hour back. Mm -hmm. So I'm losing an hour right there. And and it's unpaid labor. It's unpaid labor. And in fact, it costs you money because you have to fill up the gas tank. You know, occasionally you're going to pick up a parking ticket more often in my case than not, (laughs) you know, it it all adds up. Yeah. I mean, like I said, on top of the, the drive time and the time spent getting ready, you do have the cost of, paying for gas and paying for the parking ticket and everything else associated with it. I mean, I imagine this has to make employees pretty happy too. Well, yeah, it it just creates a more flexible working environment. And uh, a lot of the work that we do is not necessarily like time-based. Certainly there are deadlines, but it doesn't matter if you send a tweet at eight in the morning or if it's at nine in the morning. And also that's all scheduled anyway, you know? So uh, certainly the parents on my staff have been able to save a lot on childcare. 
um, have been able to uh, be closer to their kids. It's just a more convenient way of working. I, I personally, you could never drag me back to an office <laughs> ever. Yes, I am. I'm looking to get away from the the rise and grind schedule. Yeah, to, to something a bit more relaxed. But until we until we kick off big here, uh, this is my uh, my day in day out. Did you find it hard at first to kind of make that transition to to the full nomad life, leaving things behind? It was certainly intimidating, and I had a lot of panic attacks. The first three episodes of the Workationing podcast, it's serialized. So if your listeners want to go check it out, I would recommend starting at episode zero, where it's called Let's Become Digital Nomads. And it's a conversation that I had with my uh, colleague and friend Kelly about how, like, well, why don't we do this? Let's give it a shot. You know, we've got a lot of things that we want to slap our eyes on, and we're not doing it where we are right now. And then the next two episodes are about packing up our lives (laughs) and getting ready to make the transition. And I will tell you, it was stressful. Uh, There were a lot of people who thought that it was a very crazy thing to be doing. I had a lot of friends and family members check in like, hey, you sure you want to be doing this? It seems a little erratic, you know? And uh, I didn't know any other people who were digital or they didn't know other people who were digital nomads. I was like the first, the first of my kind that they had met. So it, it sounded a little weird and I got some pushback and I think that people were genuinely concerned uh, also because we were two ladies traveling to all kinds of places. And also we didn't have an itinerary. Uh, we decided where we were going to go next based off of like where we were at that day. <laughs> And and sometimes we we uh, booked our trips like the day before, caught a good deal. All right, now we're going to Acapulco. I would not recommend Acapulco. <laughs> okay, but, um, good travel tip. <laughs> yeah, hot hot travel tip. Uh, don't go to Acapulco. Uh, it's not what it used to be. But that was the most stressful part. The the questioning of friends and family members, and then it made me question myself. But I'll tell you, like as soon as the plane touched down, our first location was Puerto Rico, obviously. <laughs> and uh, as soon as the plane touched down in San Juan, I just felt this immense ses- sense of relief. Like, oh, actually, like now the adventure begins. And I was right to do this. I think it's the best gift that I've ever given myself. And I highly encourage people who are in a position to, to give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, anybody with that opportunity really should. Now you, you run your own business. Do you have any problems like coordinating meetings across, you know, big time zone differences? No, but I will say that like, I'm picky about my time zones, uh, right before the pandemic, I spent almost a month in Goa, India for the uh, Holi Festival, H-O-L-I. It's a killer Google image search, but essentially it's a festival where people put paint pigments on their hands, very colorful paints, and then they go around touching strangers' faces. (laughs) And that was like right when the pandemic was hitting. So I went to a face-touching festival at the start of the pandemic. And actually, I almost got stranded in India because they closed the borders down so fast. I got out with like two days to spare. Um, But that time zone was very tricky. I think it was like 16 and a half hours ahead of EST. So New York time, which is where most of my uh, staff is located uh, on the East Coast. Um, 
So that was a challenge because it wasn't even an even number. And I, I kept forgetting that. But Google Calendar has your back. Uh, I had to take some calls at some very weird hours, but worse things have happened to better people. And it, typically I try and stay ahead of my team. And my max on that is like eight hours. Otherwise it does, it becomes too inconvenient. I'm staying up until like one in the morning working and then I'm missing like most of the day sleeping and it's just, it's less than ideal. Right now I'm six hours ahead of my team and that's perfect. The team doesn't wake up and start working until 2 p.m. my time. So I get my whole morning and early afternoon to myself to like go through my inbox or run errands or get some writing done. And it's, it's a, I think this is the sweet spot for me. Definitely. That was one of those where we were, we were setting up this meeting and you're like, Hey, just a heads up. I'm in Amsterdam. So (laughs) there's going to be a time difference. And I'm like, that's cool because I'm up super late into the night, (laughs) but yeah, I, I can relate to the, uh, the getting stranded aspect. Um, I was coming back from Panama when I was coming out of the islands of Panama um, on the 30th of March. So like right as everything is shutting down, they canceled a ton of our flights, almost got stranded there. We're like checking into our hotel and there's signs that say like, if you're not out by tomorrow, be prepared to spend a month here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like everything was crazy. So I can only imagine uh, that was definitely an experience down there. It, it was very scary. Uh, I'm glad that I got out. One of my friends did not get out, though, and he ended up stranded in India, I think, for like 45 days. Wow. Yeah. Was he a part, of your, an ideal. part of your team or just like <laughs> no, a, no, no, a friend just of a, yours? A traveling friend. Okay. Hopefully he's doing better now. Yeah, he's out now. He he made it through. But like it was it was very scary for him and he didn't plan on staying in India for that long and uh things were looking a little sketchy towards the tourists as the pandemic went on. It was just a, not a good situation, but he made it out safe. Yeah, I can imagine that's definitely scary. So when you when you travel, do you just I know you said you kind of, you know, fly by the day, but do you try and like, oh hey, we're going to go to this place and you know, VRBO, like a month at a, at a wherever. Sure. So there, there are some, some things that you might want to go to. So for example, the Holy Festival in India was on my bucket list and that happens once a year. So I knew what time I was going to be going to India. And actually that was a press trip that um, the no name guest house sponsored our trip out there. So um, we had to plan that one. In advance, I think we did that. We planned that like six months in advance. But typically, I was just in Vienna. I booked that trip two days before I left. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, and this place looks fine. I'll stay there. Yeah. And I subscribe to just a weird amount of travel deal newsletters. So sometimes I just like wait for what's cheap and sounds cool. Nice. Do you have just like a ton of work visas or is there like no permit required kind of a? Uh, You know, most of the visas you can get online if you need a visa. So, for example, when I uh, went to Turkey, I actually overstayed my visa there. Uh, That was just a fine. They caught me at the airport and I had to go talk to some very scary looking people. And I thought for sure I was going to see the inside of a Turkish jail, but I did not. They just made me pay a fine (laughs) and I was able to go home. But uh, in the case of Turkey, I think it's like 19 bucks if you're an American. Um, And then you just 
print out the print out the visa, they email it to you. In the case of going to India, though, I had to get um, like a half page extra fancy stamp in my passport. I think that visa cost like 50 bucks and you had to get it in advance. But I think those are the only two places that I've traveled that I needed like special paperwork for so far. Have you had to get a lot of like different immunizations and and shots for for India? I did for sure. And my doctor uh, sent me out there loaded with like a pharmacy he, he, and he was from India oh. uh, and he was like, so I know what you're going to need. He's like, here are the malaria pills just in case. And then um, a lot of oral or the rehydration salts, the electrolyte salts. Um, he sent me with a Z pack, which is a pretty heavy antibiotic just in case these. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't, uh, he sent me with some other stuff too, but, uh, and I certainly got some, I got all caught up on my shots for that one. Um, but I didn't have to use any of those drugs and they're still sitting in my medicine cabinet. <laughs> hey, there you go. Not a bad thing yeah. to have. Right. The zombie apocalypse. What... I've got at least one dose of antibiotics. Yeah. I don't know that the malaria pills will see a whole lot of use, but you know, you, you never know what might happen for a sure. while. People were saying that they might cure COVID and I was feeling very lucky to have them. You're but... like, hey, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Score. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very fun. But obviously, a lot of travel. Um, I think the biggest thing most people, at least in the U.S., I know it's something I think about. Have you run into a lot of like language barriers? I speak a little Spanish, not like anything to brag about. But Google Translate has you covered. Uh, it, I haven't run into too many um, communication issues as long as I keep my phone charged. There you go. I know that's always my thought is I'm like, oh, I'd love to go, you know, see X country. And then I'm like, but I don't speak that language at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> and and when it's not um, like normal letters, you yeah. know, you're like, Anything. where's the keyboard for this R? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'd have a really difficult time reading street signs in Japan. I'm Yeah, I'm sure. Have you been to a lot of those like Japan or Russia or no no those are two on my list but um japan has a killer cherry blossom situation that i that's on the bucket list so i will get out there yeah it's a spring thing yeah 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 Yeah. that's on mine so (laughs) i'm like yes one day yeah well i'll tag you in the insta shot if i get there first (laughs) yes um yeah let me know I have a tattoo artist that's from Korea and he worked in Japan forever. So he was giving me travel tips mm-hmm. and he's like, you just don't want to be there in the summer. Like it's miserable, hot, and there's no yeah. AC anywhere. So ah. he's like, just avoid the summer. You'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, I always think that's like a, a concern. Have you run into a lot of like other digital nomads just in your travel? Yeah. And like intentionally. So uh, there are a ton of Facebook groups. Uh, devoted to digital nomads, the workationing Facebook group has 5,500 people in it. That's a small one though, relative to let's say digital nomads in Medellin, that Facebook group, I think has like 20,000 people in it. Uh, Digital digital nomads in Chiang Mai is another really big one. Um, There are international groups basically in every major city. Uh, so if you join those Facebook groups ahead of your trip or certainly while you're there, you know, if you're looking for cool things to do, you can ask questions and group members will like tell you the coolest things to do or the best places to eat. Or it's kind of like 
everyone's trying to also make friends. So like going to these meetups, uh, it's a great way to meet like-minded people who, you know, you might travel with in the future, or at least spend time with while you're, uh, while you're in your current location. Yeah. Have you seen more of any one kind of nomad than the other, like people who are specialized in say like finance and they just work, you know, on accounting off the books while they're on the beach? Sure. So I see a lot of day traders. Okay. I see a lot of digital marketers. Um, those that I think that's probably the two big. You see a lot of like crypto people doing the digital nomad thing right now. Yeah, I could imagine that. That's what I yeah. was looking down as you logged in. Um, I was getting a notification that's like, hey, your crypto is up 30% today. Yeah, nice. Nice. I'm going to retire and go travel. (laughs) Yeah, maybe in years when it keeps going up like that every day. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, that's really cool. And you kind of get to market yourself a little bit, I imagine, because you're like, hey, I'm the person that can optimize your, your search engine usage. Sure. Um, And like having the Workationing podcast has uh, introduced us to a lot of people as well. We've actually had fans go through and recreate our entire trip, Oh, which is crazy because we went to a lot of different places. (laughs) Yeah, that is super fun Um, just to be like, hey, we're going to do your trip. And you're like, you're going to do what? Yeah, no, no. And they they even found our same tour guides and everything. We've sent a lot of business to uh, Chris over at Tejo in Medellin. He Tejo is the national sport of Colombia. It's kind of like horseshoes, but you're throwing these little metal discs it to um, at packets full of gunpowder. Oh, so when you land it, it makes a big a big sound. It's fun. Uh, but we did that. That was our one of our bucket list things in um, in Medellin. And actually, my partner won the Tejo tournament that wow. day. Nice. So like, you know, who knew that Kelly was the LeBron James of Tejo? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. You never know your but, talent until you're throwing discs at gunpowder. <laughs> right. Like, you know, we all have, I like to think that we're all really great at something and it turns out she's really great at Tejo. <laughs> yeah. No, that's super awesome. And that's like, I think it's one of the funnest things because I get to, I get this really broad you know, podcasts that I've got working and I get to talk to people from everywhere. And so it's so fun to like hear these stories where you get to travel and then you have fans that find your show and then they do that travel. Like there's just so many of those stories that are so fun. And I'm like, oh man, I can't wait (laughs) to have have somebody just come up to me and ask about something like that. Um, (laughs) I've had a couple of people now that have, have walked up to me like in person that didn't necessarily know me. They're like acquaintances of acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I've been listening to your show. I'm like, That's very cool, isn't it? I got, I got recognized in an airport once. Oh. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was in an airport lounge. Yeah. They're like, Carrie of vocationing. And I was like, oh, well, that was me. They recognized me for my laugh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you got to be iconic, be iconic. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not get famous for a cackle laugh? Hey, whatever works. <laughs> So let's, let's talk trash on Acapulco because <laughs> I was going oh to ask God. about least favorite places. So <laughs> let's, let's, I don't even know where Acapulco is. It's in Mexico. With. Okay. It's in Mexico. And there's a flow writer song that the video was shot in Acapulco. And I was like, well, if it's good enough for flow writer, it's, it's good enough for me. You sure. know, I think it was whistle was, was the okay. song. 
Um, and it, it's, I mean, it's just scary down there. At the time when we were in Acapulco, it like the, the county had recorded the highest murders ever. It was like a brand fresh new record. And uh, before we got there, I didn't hear this story. I probably would have opted to not go to Acapulco had I known this. But um, there was a huge problem on the beaches with people from cartels coming up on like jet skis and then shooting like the people who didn't pay them, like the the beach vendors, but then tourists were getting hit. There were there was like a, a spate of decapitations going on. So like safety wise, it wasn't like the most chill place. Um, that said, I've been robbed at gunpoint twice. Both of them were in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So <laughs> that's good advertising for Pittsburgh. Yeah, back right when there. I was in college, I actually love Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a really great city. It's just it, it wasn't for me on those two occasions. Yeah. Um, but we ended up staying, uh, for a while in the Los Flamingos hotel, which used to be called like, there's so many great things about Acapulco from like a history perspective. Um, it was the location where Tarzan was filmed. Okay. And before Tarzan, like Acapulco had not been known like to Hollywood, but once like John Wayne came out to scout a location, he was just like, Oh, this is where I'm staying. So John Wayne bought a hotel called the Los Flamingos Hotel, and it's iconic. It's like flamingo pink, as you might imagine. It's set on these cliffs that really give you some like Game of Thrones feel. It's super cool. But in the, I think, 50s or whenever, um, it used to be called the Hollywood Gang Hideout. So Cary Grant spent a lot of time there. Um, we ended up staying in Casa Tarzan. And that was where Tarzan lived. He actually died. I, I don't think in that room, but uh, yeah, it, it was cool to stay there. It's such an iconic place. Liz uh, Taylor got married there to one of her husbands. Um, and it was like 37 bucks to get the Casa Tarzan suite. And it had a hammock in it. It was a really cool space. But like at night, there were like dogs roaming the property. It was like really scary. The, the bug situation was out of control. We didn't smell the mattresses before we went to go to bed. And then it was just like, maybe Tarzan did die in here and probably here on this bed. Um, we tried to just like leave, but everyone at the front desk had gone home. We were literally like the only people at this hotel. It was, it was scary. <laughs> yeah. You went from like a fun Hollywood shoot to like a, an abandoned asylum. <laughs> No, exactly. It's crazy because like the Instagram photos look amazing. We really like made that place pop, you know, but uh, at night it was a much different story. And then we saw that like the screens were all broken and that's why there were so many bugs inside. And it was just like, I get itchy thinking about it. The water situation was really not ideal. We found out that the guy at our front gate had been giving us the wrong kind of water. It wasn't meant to be drinking water we were drinking it and we were sick the whole time. I lost like 10 pounds in a month in Acapulco, just being sick all the time. Um, and then I was weak for like weeks afterward. So yeah, don't recommend Acapulco. Hopefully it'll clean up its image a little bit. It's a gorgeous place. If it weren't for like, you know, all of the, the, the crime and just run downness. Yeah, for sure. Anywhere else that's just been like, you really wanted to go there. And then once you got there, you just couldn't wait to leave. That's really been the only one. That's good. 
Yeah. And I mean, like I've been, I've been to Tijuana, I've been to like all kinds of different places. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that each place, you know, even Acapulco has its own unique flavor and feel and culture, history, et cetera, vibe that like, even if it's not your favorite place, I've, I've been to very few places in general where I'm like, oof, got to get me out of here. Maybe a bad restaurant gives me that feeling more than a city does, you know? Yeah, I get that. So then your list of favorites, obviously it sounds like, I don't know, I'm going to butcher the name, but Medellin. Yeah, Medellin. Okay. Medellin sounds like was a favorite. It was okay. Um, It was gorgeous. Again, the food was fantastic. The cost of living for the quality of living was just off the charts. It has a lot of that going for it, but as a result, it attracts a lot of digital nomads. And there, again, are different types of digital nomads. Uh, There were a lot of sex tourists in Medellin and sex tourism in general is such a problem in Medellin that like the local restaurants and whatnot have like say no to the sex tourist signs in their windows. And the image of this or the, the logo is a high heel with the like pin of it like stomping down on a flip-flop. So like that kind of gives you the idea of like how the locals view the other people that are coming into their city and, you know, taking advantage of that great cost of living and the the quality of living, but then also taking advantage of the sex tourism opportunities that, you know, send money to the cartels and probably don't do good things for the, the locals. And, and certainly I saw a lot of very douche bro digital nomads, um, a lot in Medellin. The the place that we were staying at had a rooftop pool. So we were treated to like 50-year-old men with like three very young girls. Uh, it, it was just like constantly in our face. And I found it very gross. It was clear that some of the girls were underage. Uh, and at that point, I left. Uh, that, that was when I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I, I got really tired of seeing it. There was nothing I could do. I complained to the guard at the front gate and he was like, well, this is what happens here. If you don't like it, you can leave. And I was like, okay, I guess that my decision has been made. So like, I, I, I really liked Medellin. I might go back, but I would go back with that knowledge and I don't know, maybe avoid the rooftop pool. I really loved the bioluminescent bay in uh, Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico has five of the world's seven bioluminescent bays. And it's like this plankton that lights up when it gets disturbed by movement. So what you see is like you jump into the water at night and your whole splash lights up. You're swimming through and you can like see fish swimming underneath you. It's, It's a very trippy, cool experience. You pull your arm out of the water and it looks like stars are dripping off of your skin. That is super very cool. cool. Very cool experience. So I do that, you know, anytime. I really loved Vienna. Vienna is a gorgeous city. I know that Paris gets a lot of crud, but Paris smells like hot piss in the summertime and it's gross. <laughs> Vienna's just like a cleaner city. Uh, equally gorgeous. Doesn't have the Eiffel Tower, but, you know, it's got other cool stuff to look at and a lot of really, really amazing museums. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I have heard that exact same thing about Paris a lot of times where they're like, it's just urine and cigarettes. Yeah, it's true. Oh, oh good. That's where I want to go for a vacation. No, and the air is (laughs) thick with it in the summer. You can like almost taste it. It's so gross. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that is awful. Yeah, no, I don't recommend Paris in the summertime. And in the winter, it's nicer. 
it's not as hot and humid. Yeah. Makes a difference. So, I mean, it sounds like you kind of have enjoyed Europe a lot. Have you been to all the, the big European countries? Uh, most of them. Yeah. I still need to like go up North and hit Norway and Denmark, but I, I've spent time in Switzerland and Portugal and Spain. Portugal is amazing. I have a lot of friends who are, uh, who have moved to Portugal. They've got some great tax programs. I think it's 10 years. If you move there, you don't have to pay any taxes. Um, to Portugal, at least yeah. <laughs> your mileage may vary based on your home country. Um, I know several people who've moved out to Portugal, actually. Um, they've got a huge digital nomad community out there too, but Porto's uh, an amazing city, incredible food, gorgeous city. Uh, and like a down to earth city too. I, I really dig Porto. Nice. Um, have any of these places ever sparked that feeling in you where like, you know what? I think I'm just going to like emigrate out here. Uh, Amsterdam actually. Yeah. And I mean, like I've got my visa, even got my visa renewed. So I've I've got four more years here if I want to run that out. Um, and then I think I just have to learn Dutch and pass a test if I want to make it permanent. There you go. That's an interesting, I mean, it's a good, good process, but that's an interesting one. But then like, Oh, just learn Dutch. (laughs) You're like, Oh, yeah. well, if you've been here, you need to be here. I think it's five years or something. And then if you pass these tests and you can get permanent residency. Nice. That's fun. Definitely sounds like it's, you know, you found your place. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. So if someone was just starting, they wanted to, you know, find a a career, is it easy to find say like an employer where you can kind of live the digital nomad life? Yeah. I think it's easier than ever now, uh, especially after COVID. Uh, because companies had to get used to uh, their staff working from home. They didn't have a choice. It was either adapt or die, right? So they already, like, if you think of it from the employer's perspective, they've already invested how much time and money and training on getting everyone into the remote tools. Maybe it's Asana, maybe it's Trello. You pick your poison, but now you got to train your whole team on it, onboard them with it. Maybe they weren't using Slack before, but now we are now. So when you think of the cost of, of that, the companies have already invested in it. And also it's cheaper for the employee or the employer to allow their staff to work from home. They're able to uh, reduce the cost of their facilities. So like, I don't have the overhead of an office space. Um, if I had people coming into the office, obviously I would have to pay for an office for them to go to. So there are a lot of cost savings benefits to, um, to allowing your staff to work from home. Also, again, the employers are already used to it now. So it's it's easier than ever to find remote work. Um, I think that, I mean, depending on your industry, maybe if you're a nurse or a doctor or something, unless you want to get into traveling nursing or doctors without borders, uh, certainly that's like an in-person activity. But it, for digital marketing, you just start looking for digital marketing roles and over half of them are remote right now, based on what I've seen. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, you know, uh, once you've got the setup, especially from mm-hmm. the employer perspective, like now you're not paying for all the electricity. And, you know, if you, if you didn't already own like a business space, now you don't have that cost either. So it seems like an insane cost savings all the way around to just go a hundred percent into this yeah. because like yours, like you said, 
you know, there's no office, so you don't have the electricity to be there or any of the networking that has to go into it or any of that, you know, have the, the fridges regularly serviced. <laughs> yeah. Or like even the office furniture is ridiculously expensive. Like the cost of furnishing an office is not to be overlooked. Yeah. I mean, uh, I got a, a house not that long ago and the cost of furnishing a house alone is plenty. So yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to furnish an office. (laughs) Is there like an advice you would give someone that was just starting? For somebody looking for remote work or somebody um, just getting into the digital nomad lifestyle? Uh, We'll go first one, then the other. So first somebody just looking for remote work. Honestly, Craigslist is like good for more than used couches. Uh, I post all of my job openings on Craigslist. It's because it gets me like the highest volume of quality candidates. Uh, there are a zillion jobs posted on Craigslist every day. And if you're looking for remote work, don't only look in your city for Craigslist. Look in every major city, apply to every job that you might potentially qualify for. And you will find work. You will get hired eventually. And or if not, then you need to talk to somebody about your cover letter and resume. But uh, there are just so many jobs and you don't need to go, you don't need to make it complicated. You know, um, when I first got started freelance writing, which is what I built the content factory off of, uh, I used to apply to like 50 Craigslist writing jobs and gigs a day. I got my first one, uh, my first job the first day. And then I kept, you know, rinse, repeat, applying for more use the uh, use the examples from previous clients, built that portfolio, raise my rates, rinse and repeat, right? So th- that's how I built my freelance business, but there are full-time remote jobs that have benefits and a 401k plan that you can jump on. You just need to know where to look. And I think that Craigslist, um, it's a great resource. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, especially if it's what you're utilizing, you know, right. like we're talking to a business owner who is using it. So it's clearly like, you know, has something to it. Yeah. Um, And then tips for people just getting started into the digital nomad life, get your insurance straight because you don't want to break a leg, you know, riding a motorcycle in Chiang Mai and then, you know, have to front that bill. Uh, International health insurance, as long as you're outside of the U.S., uh, it, it's affordable, and I would highly recommend that you you pick that up because you never know when things can go wrong, and certainly some countries are more expensive than others when it comes to health insurance. But I've just I've heard too many horror stories in various Facebook groups of people like posting the warnings of, you know, I, I let my travel insurance lapse and then something happened, or I didn't get travel insurance in the first place. Wish I would have done that. So definitely like take those precautions to, to protect yourself. Also, somebody should always know where you are. Uh, you think that that goes without saying, but you know, not necessarily. So have like a check-in system with people to where like somebody's going to notice if you go missing for a day. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like common sense, but I'm sure a lot of people overlook that. Yeah. Is travel insurance. I mean, as far as like your health insurance goes, is that something you get through like state farm or is that like travelocity? Where's the, uh, there are, there are specific companies that do travel insurance, but depending on your insurance provider, it might be something that you can just add on. Uh, I think it's a, it, it depends on your current insurance provider. And if not, then there are third party providers that you can go for. 
Gotcha. It's all super awesome, actually. And I, I think people should get into it. Do you kind of see this being, you know, where most of the, the world is just going to head? I mean, I think that there are some things, some jobs that just do not lend itself to this type of lifestyle. For example, a car mechanic. Sure. Um, a, a carpenter. You know, unless you want to be a traveling mechanic or carpenter, you probably need to like stay where you are for that. But not everyone likes to travel as much as I do. You know, some people are, you know, happy just going to the next biggest town <laughs> uh, for their annual vacation. Uh, some people just really like to stay at home. But I, I think that it's going to be this lifestyle is going to be more and more accessible to the people who want it. The only thing that I can, the silver lining of the pandemic, if there were one, is that uh, companies are now used to having employees work from home. Um, the statistics are counterintuitive. Employees who work from home are actually happier and more productive. So when you add in the productivity benefit of working from home, um, it becomes really advantageous for employers to allow their staff the flexibility. So I think that that trend is going to continue and I really don't see it slowing down. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about, you know, going back to the start of this conversation, you know, 500 wasted hours, how many of those are your, your productive energetic hours that you just like burn out on the road, watching people drive like idiots? Yeah. Yeah. And then like how, how much resentment does that like secretly build up toward your employer over time? I know that I was like pretty salty about it. Like this could have been an email. I don't need to be in here right now. Like, oh, I got another parking ticket too. And I forgot my lunch. So I've got to go pay for one. And it's like, it didn't have to be that way. I knew it didn't have to be that way. I hated that it was like that. And so when I started my own company, I, I made it remote first and my employees really appreciate it. I'm sure. Do you think it lends itself to like a healthier lifestyle because you can, you know, you can eat where you have food in your house and not be worried about like, I forgot to make a sandwich before I left and now I need to go eat fast food right. or, oh, I'm not on such a tight schedule. I have time to go to the gym, things like that. Yeah. yeah no, I, I think it just depends on the person. I've, I've certainly utilized my mornings to go to the gym. I work out with a personal trainer twice a week, but also I've gone for like days without leaving the house without even meaning to, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's trash day. Oh, this is the first time I've opened my front door. And I think two days. <laughs> You're like, Oh, my mail's all piled up. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> the world is out there. I forgot for two days, you know, cause I was too wrapped up with work or whatever. I think, um, Working from home will just amplify whatever uh, behaviors you already have. So it, it, you know, it can either give you the time to go to the gym and get those steps in, or it can give you the time to, you know, pop a quick Netflix binge. It depends on, on who you are and what your personal discipline looks like, I guess. For sure. What would you say to someone that is like on the fence? You know, maybe they've got the remote job already, mm-hmm. but they aren't, they're like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go. What if I travel and I don't have, you know, all these things that I'm so used to. Mm -hmm. What do you say to somebody who's just like, they're, they're considering it, but they haven't been completely sold on it to just give it a shot. And if you're like, you don't have to put, uh, all of your stuff into a 10 by 10 storage facility and like peace out for years. Like I did, um, you can just go for a month. 
And there are all kinds of uh, services now that really make it easy. So let's say, you know, you've got your mortgage that you're going to pay, or you've got your rent that you have to pay because you're locked into a lease. And if you go to Australia for a month, now you have to pay for the cost of, you know, two places. Sure. Uh, There's a service called trustedhousesitters.com. And uh, it's like a place to travel. It's a way to travel without having to pay for lodging. So if you're willing to walk somebody's dog, or like sometimes it's just cats, sometimes it's a cat, <laughs> which is a pretty easy job. You get a free place to stay for, you know, whatever the length of time the person's going to be out of the town. And uh, you can go see the sites in the meantime. Certainly watching a cat is not a full-time job. There are others where it's like, well, I've got a stable full of horses. And then you'll have your work, you know, <laughs> a little more cut out for you. Yeah. But um, I know a lot of people who have... Um, Stayed for stayed for free. I, I know a couple that uh, basically exclusively house sits for other people, and they go all around the world, and they only have to pay for their flights. Nice. And um, then like the food when they get there, you know. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever run into these, and it just popped into my head. There is a website basically for the opposite of that that is called World Packers, which is like. You just find a place that you basic you want to go, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, room and board is free," and you just you know three days a week you work the bar or whatever at the hotel you're staying at. Oh, I would do, I would love to do that. I didn't know that that was a thing. I'd love to go bartend at someplace random. I used to be a bartender. Oh, hey. I wasn't very good. I'm probably still not, but like, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone applying on the internet's like super good at it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it, I'll be like Kelly and Tejo and I'll find my, my new thing. That's that right. sounds really cool. It's called world packers. I believe it's called world packers. Yeah. Okay. And then there's another one. Uh, I think it's called housing swap. And if you're in a cool city, you just find somebody who wants to go to your city and you just swap houses for a month. Or a week or whatever you want. And there's like a website that will set that up for you. Neat. See, like those are the kind of things I look at where I'm like, well, this isn't necessarily like a a full-time gig or anything, but like I'd go spend two weeks wherever, just like running the bar and, you know. I would love that. Now now I have a new dream. I'm going to do this and talk about it on the Workationing Podcast. Thank you, Colton. I I needed this direction. (laughs) Yes. Send me an email when you do. I'll blow it up. up. But yeah, that's also really cool. Are you still running your podcast, you know, in tandem with us? Uh, Well, we're on a bit of, well, we were on a bit of hiatus due to the pandemic. You know, there wasn't really much cationing. Yeah. The work cationing. It was mostly just work and from home, (laughs) but uh, we're, we're picking back up with a new season. Uh, We've been traveling a lot. We're going to be catching everyone up on that. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next adventure. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and doing this Thank interview you so with much. me. Yeah. It was really fun. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can see or listen to the Workationing podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere you catch your favorite podcasts. Uh, and definitely, again, start from it's serialized. So start with episode zero and work your way up to the top. My website is contentfacfac.com and uh, the Workationing Facebook group. You can just look us up on Facebook. Awesome. I hope people do it. And I hope people just start tagging me in it too, because I'm interested to see where people go with this. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be fun.
Thanks so much, Colton. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and family about it. I'm so excited to see the Just Dumb Enough community growing the way it is, and I hope we can keep this up for a long time. You can also leave us a good five-star review wherever you're listening. That's a big help in driving this show to new heights. I've got the Patreon set up and running. I'm offering some custom, potentially wacky rewards for the first person to sign up at any level. So at each of the levels, we'll get something crazy going and you get to pick, basically. I'd also like to hear more about what the audience wants. Is there a topic you're dying to learn about? Or maybe you know the perfect guest for a show? Let me know. Dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com. Or just dumb enough podcast on pretty much all the social media platforms. And if you want to start your own podcast, check out my sponsor, Podbean. Did I mention that I made it to the front page of their major hosting site? Because I did. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out! I hope you all enjoyed yourself, and I hope you'll be coming back for more new episodes to come. I'm putting them out at least once a week. You can also check out the small roster of previous episodes that I already have out for other fun topics. Until next time, buh bye